This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov slash MCTV. We hope you enjoy the following presentation. Local productions on QTV are made possible with support from viewers like you. Thank you. everyone, welcome to Junior Doan's The Spark. I'm Junior Doan and thank you for joining us. With me today is Philadelphia designer, Alan Metcalf, founder of Metcalf Architecture and Design. He is also the designer of Whiting Forest Canopy Walk in Midland, Michigan. Welcome, Alan, I'm so glad you're here. Oh, it's so great to be here. <laughs> uh, tell again. me, uh, again, yeah. how did you get interested in design as a career? Oh, well, that's kind of a funny family story because I was a college student and I had no clue what I was going to do. At the end of first year, I asked my, my guidance counselor, what do I do? And I said, I'm really interested in welding. And I was at a very fancy college. And he said, uh-uh, no. you're paying a lot of money to learn to weld. So at the end of that summer, I was talking to my wife. And she said, you know, my father and I were thinking, you would like to be an architect. And bells went off for me. It was amazing. And that was it. So I was 18, and I knew immediately that I wanted to do it, but it took me a long time to get to be a real architect. It was a long trip for me. Because you started out in different schools? Well, I went to a school that didn't, I went to Tufts and they didn't have an architecture program, so I learned about architectural history. And then I said, I really want to learn how to build things, so I spent 13 years being a carpenter. Then I ended up at Columbia being an architecture student. And I continue to do construction in this town, which is crazy, doing construction in, in Manhattan, but I really liked it. So that was the beginning of it. But I think all that experience that I had in the beginning, uh, doing construction and th learning about people really helped me become the designer that I am today. What did you learn about people? Well, the thing that I learned about people was that they really like each other. They're really attracted to each other. And this is my secret sauce. This is what makes our office go, is that we're really trying to make places for people that are social spaces and play on their proclivities for being human. Like, they love to play. They love to learn about the world because uh, through experiencing it, through falling down, through pushing each other, through laughing, through playing with little items, turning them upside down and seeing them differently. And my example in my professional life was when I was an architecture student, I had a model that I was working on. It was a, uh, 
it was a stadium and I had a, uh, a critic who was going, eh, it's not that interesting, right? So I took that stadium model and I turned it upside down and it was way better. And that's play. Play is not uh, just handprints and playing games. Play is taking anything and looking at it in a different way. And when we do that, when we turn our minds off a little bit and just relax and run and fall down or turn things upside down or look at something in a different way, we're exploring the world. And that's what I learned about not being an architect, by working as a contractor, by uh, learning about the history of architecture and the history of art. It's made me a much more interesting designer, not someone that just goes to the catalogs and goes to the magazines and copies. So I think you can play across life. So to give a personal story, years and years ago, I was going to a formal dance and I put on my long dress and I said, I don't really like this. Let's yeah. try it back to front. Yeah, right. And back to right. front looked really good. Right. And when I went to the event, mm -hmm. I was laughing inside mm -hmm. because I got all these compliments. Right. Right. And I thought, well, you can enjoy life right. at many levels, right. right? You know, the fun of you know, just doing it differently, right. the, the risk of doing right. it differently, and, you know, people's reaction to that. So the attitude is good. What did you learn as a carpenter about quality? That people notice it without looking at details. They notice a general environment that is really beautifully crafted. And I learned that about design, too, that you can't hammer people over the head, but if it's all beautifully done around you, it's... a a very subtle and powerful message that your environment is really wants you to be there and you're very comfortable and happy. And as an example, like the public spaces in Manhattan, some of them are, the new ones are done really beautifully, really detailed beautifully. And then in my town of Philadelphia with the same kinds of spaces, they don't spend the same amount of money. And when I go there, I just, my, I sag a little bit. I don't feel as, as welcomed. And Where's I think- Which impressed you in New York, which spaces? Mm. Well, when I go down to the Battery, yes. I love the Battery. I right. love the continuous. I, I grew when I lived in New York. I lived on uh, Riverside Drive, right? So, at the time, yeah. and this was in the very late '80s. The ribbon of of the walkway hadn't been completed yeah. down to Battery City Park, and then little by little, it it became completed. And I saw, I saw an attitude of the way people change their minds about public spaces. And it's like that project you and I know each other yeah. from in Michigan. It's beautifully built, and it's beautifully built by the craftspeople of Midland, Michigan, and uh, who have their own special story. But people feel great when they're in a, a beautifully constructed space. And my children went to a performing arts school in, in uh, Philadelphia, and it was brand new, uh, restored historic structure. And you never, and these are kids that came from all the different public schools in Philadelphia, and then they all came together at this performing arts high school, and you never saw so many happy kids. And I think part of it is because the building really respected them and made them feel welcome. If, if you live in a, a shabby environment, you act and feel disrespected. That's the 1940s architect, right? We, we change the environment, we improve people's actions. It's really true. And I think, like in Times Square, Snowetta redesigned uh, Times Square, and it's fabulous. And they do all these things to manipulate the space. It's really exciting and subtle. People also don't want to feel like someone's bossing them around. So yes. it's a little bit of like engineering psychology. Like we take spaces in my practice and we move, we suggest 
arrangements for furniture and the people, we look at them and see how they use them. We're doing a library, Love It Library for the city. And the outdoor space is really powerful, partly because we're creating places for people. And then we move the furniture around, let them move it and then take notes and then try another uh, way of doing it. And it's amazing if that furniture, and they know this from New York City, if that furniture is nailed down, people get angry because they can't yes. change their environment. They don't want to feel like some architect is bossing them around. They want to feel that, that they have their own purview. They have their own way of changing it and making it their own. So that, I learned a lot about that in art history and construction and just and being a father, too. And, and they feel trusted, too. They do, as, and like a contributor, right. And a, yes. Right, and honored. I always think you try to be, one I try, to be the artist of my own life. Mm -hmm. Right. And it goes right down to the furniture, right. as you're saying. Right. Do I have say over mm -hmm. where I'm going to sit? Say something of the project you did in Midland, the Canopy oh, Walk. Well, that is my dream project for our office. So far, it's the most, and sorry to my other clients who <laughs> may be watching this, but it, it really is a confluence of so many things that we think about in our office, of experience. We're experienced designers, really, now. So we do uh, create social spaces and informal learning spaces for schools, museums, and public spaces of hospitals, and then a lot of other cultural organizations like um, Whiting Forest, which is, a, is part of Dow Gardens. Right. And that project is, first we help them reshape their, kind of like their mission, help them work and collaborate with them, which we love to do. When we have a really smart client, like yeah. Whiting Forest and yes. Dow Gardens, like they came to us with a lot. And we say to them, okay, if you'll do the work with us, you're gonna have a great project. So we help them relocate their uh, visitor center into a place that is so obvious to me when I walked on campus, which is the vis existing visitor center was a not very exciting building. Yes. We relocated it into the Whiting House, yes. done by Alden Dow, which is a fabulous mid-century modern building and is at the heart of the campus, brings people all the way in, and we create into the center as opposed to letting them stay on the edge. And then we connected them to the uh, Dow Gardens, which was part of our brief, connect it, make everybody feel going from the gardens that you go to Whiting Forest and come into a little bit of excitement and the risk of the outdoors because Dow Gardens is a very manicured place. Yes, and is. by intent and it's spectacular. But you want but people also want to feel like they're in the way a little bit of the outdoors and my office wants to make people feel excited by being in the outdoors and this is my hobby horse is like kids doing this with with right. uh, you know digital media fine I do it right. but I want kids to experience life and play and grow up this is hard to grow up um, intellect intellectually you may but not experientially and physically so we created this huge canopy walk for them so, um how did you not figure out what did you want to include that turned out to be the overlook that moves or oh, yeah. the glass platform, you know, yeah, you that you it. could do the, the pipes that make noise and things right. like that. How did those come about, those ideas? Well, we know that, that we call it perceived risk. This is a term of art in uh, play studies and, and play. When people feel like they're being challenged, like kicking a soccer ball, or turning that model upside down, or um, uh, pushing their friend 
and playing a game or hitting each other or hugging each other or something or doing something that's different in a, a different way of experiencing things, they want to come back. So in the garden, we have the canopy walk that you're referring to. Three long arms, the longest canopy walk. Elevated. Elevated in the, in the woods, in the forest. Three long arms extending out into different parts of the forest. And at the end of each is a unique experience. And during the walkways, there's unique experiences. But the one that gets everybody that you're referring to is, is the arm that's uh, 40 feet above the orchards. And it's a glass floor. And so people are scared and they challenge each other and they come back and they jump up and down on it. And when you jump up and down on it, the, the uh, orange rods start to make noise and hammer each other and they're terrified and they come back over and over and over again. And then they're with their, then they're with their friends who are too scared to go and yeah. they get them to come out. And the main thing is it's super safe. Well, tell me how you got to those ideas for those spaces. I remember what it's like to be a kid. That's really what I do, and that's my secret way of, it's not really secret, but it's something I invite adults to do. It's just like, what did it feel like to be a kid? What excited you? And to me, being high up, and I built tree houses, right, when I was a kid. To be high up in the trees was really exciting for me, and to be have those trees move terrified me and made me go back over and over again. Yeah. And in the context of Mike Whiting, you know, who was board head, yeah. uh, he had that same experience in a tree. So it became a story that wound itself through the forest. So we have netting, we have a tree house, at the, had netting over in a grove of pine trees. Yeah. We have the tree house or the little house over the pond. Yes. And then we have the other over the Good orchard, place. right? Yeah. And there are three different experiences that feel different. And they also encourage people to gather together. And I know that it, like being playing is more fun on a team. That's why we have soccer teams. We don't just play by ourselves. That's why we play in bands. So uh, you've done a sort of uh, spaces in hospitals for children. Right. Right. If you were going to apply that to the adult wings, what would you do that would be mm. playful? Well, let's say, I think we, the, the thing we would do would be create places for people to talk first because there's a lot of anxiety yes. about going to hospitals. And the, to explain the children's hospitals that we do now, we create family spaces, and I would do the same for adults, and we create places that have games and have physical distractions and make, actually make kids have told, two parents have told me their kids wanted to come back to the hospital after they visited, <laughs> That's a which, compliment. which I, I wish I knew who those kids were, right? Because yeah. I'd love to talk to them more about it. Yes. But so I'd want something that got the parents, the adults, to want to come back and with their families. So I think, okay, it's obvious is digital hookups and stuff, but I think it's more like large scale games that are interactive between adults and so a secret that I learned is also physical. When, when, an, when one visitor to our netting, say in Morris Arboretum, the University of Pennsylvania project that we right. did, the other tree canopy walk, what I found out from that is when kids or adults actually touched each other and had to speak to each other, all these social compacts broke down, right? So people would start to talk to each other. They'd say, sorry, right? Yeah. Once you break that, everybody wants to talk to each other. And so I would create that environment somehow 
and we haven't done these yet, we're gunning to do a, an adult hospital because it would be a real challenge to make adults play a little bit in a public space where they're a little stressed out. But I think the stress of it also may help them be distracted a little bit. So I like swings, three-seater right. swings that I can lie down and read mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. And I always find movement very calming. Right. It's like a metronome. Right, <laughs> just like those, um, those rockers in airports. People yes. love those. Yes. They love them. And when people first saw them, I'm sure they're like, what? Yes. Then you see one person doing it, and you don't need an instruction manual. This right. is what I love about play. Intuitive. Yes, a hill. And exploratory. Yeah, exploratory. And, and a hill has, needs no rule book. And one person sees someone using it, and the other person goes over there. So seesaws, like in Berlin, my, one of my favorite exhibits is a seesaws that are 40 feet long in the center of the city. Yeah. But in a hospital, it's a little tough to do that because they have Space. a lot of restrictive rules. No, yes. they're very That's careful. That's not to injure our visitors. Right, <laughs> and and I respect that. But learning to work in a healthcare environment has been really challenging because we Materials. want to, right, Lighten you know, do a lot of things that are physically challenging, and you can't really do that. You have to respect them and respect your client and your end user. Like you don't want to make it worse, you want to make it so better. So do you try to weave fun into all your projects? Mm -hmm. What's an example of another that you're particularly fond of? Well, let's see, we talked about hospitals. So I say fun, I'd say play is a better play. word than fun. And this is really, a, I was gonna say funny, a difficult you're... thing to explain to the world because when people hear play, they think about handprints. And you're an artist, right? So you know it's not handprints and and goofy uh, things that are are you know bright crayon colors like play. As as an aside, kids are very sophisticated. Adults are very sophisticated about color and about uh, about about the items of play. So. Um, other projects that we're working on that are playful is a like for instance a charter school that we did. You might not think this is playful, but they have a mission about being environmental stewards, taking care of the earth that they that takes care of us, the Wissahickon Charter. So that mission there was reflected in our public space that we had for them. Uh, when you enter, you see a double, triple height space that's stairs circling around and, and huge pine trees in the back. And this is playful because it reminds you of where you are and that the school is about trees. And everybody enters there every day. The principal is there and he greets everybody. So I would say that's playful because it, it reminds you happily of where you are and creates an environment that asserts the, the mission of the organization. So you've done a few houses. Yeah. How would you work with a client, or what are they coming to you for, mm -hmm. as opposed to another architect? Well, I would say that they'd have to like my aesthetic, which is pretty contemporary, but it's really warm. And uh, they would come to us because I really think about a trip through a building, and we did the Spence House in Cornwall, Connecticut, and we were surrounded by lots of um, a Heisman project and a Bolin-Swinski project, and so I was in great company, and I was yes. careful. I wanted to do something really cool. So we thought about the trip from the garage to the house, and that trip became, because everybody, the front doors are 
you know, everything buddy arrives by car except in Manhattan and right. urban conditions, which I love. But there's a story in it, and we so they would come to us because we create a narrative about uh, coming into a building. So it's not just a series of of um, spaces. It's you get you come to the garage, you get out of your car, you pass a garden that's so intimate and compressed, you want to stop and look at it, and then you walk up this small stairs and this vista. Un and unrolls itself in front of you. And the story is from, from this little compressed space, we open up to a hint of the garden, to the view beyond, to this huge forest. So when you work with us, you get a series of spaces that are really modulated and metered, but also let you go off the path to the garden, hang out in the garden, see your friend there. We create a series of social spaces that make people happy. Uh, but when you drive into their property, do you see the garage, or is it hidden? Or you see turned? it, but you don't see the rest. And that's, to me, so a play, examples in a house of play are when you walk in a door, you might see a screen, and you see little hints behind it of what's coming. And this is, these are very traditional um, design motifs. They're uh, more, actually this is Chinese where you don't want to have a straight shot through, you want to have a screen, you see a hint and you go around, because like it's a dance and, and you want a little window that, you know, long hallway that you see a particular view every day. That's what I love. I love something that you can look forward to, even in your house, when you've been there a thousand times, two thousand times, but there's a little part in the back of your brain which says, oh, there's, what am I, I gotta look out that window. I got to see what's there. That's what I want. And so that's me being engineering and experience, but they don't know that I was thinking that, and they don't have to look out the window. That's the important thing, is it's all optional, and it's because you're curious and you want to. So in my, to personalize in my home, when I walked into the front hall, which is big, um, I always have a, a sense of reverence that mm -hmm. I'm walking into a chapel. Mm -hmm. And in other parts, I have other feelings of living room or this or that. Right. And I always wondered, is it in my mind? Is it the light? Is it the color? I can't have the same experience over and over and over again because I've lived there a long time, mm -hmm. but I do. Yeah. And I don't understand why. Because in often things, when people see things regularly, mm -hmm. they don't really... They forget. Yeah, yeah, they're all smoothed out some way. Well, you have beautiful light in this apartment, you know. And you have a very neutral palette, which is one way of approaching it, and really is gentle and makes me feel calm. Like for this interview, I walked in and I went, ah. Like that is a feel. compliment, Alan. Well, it's true. And you know, you ha you're doing this here in this beautiful space, and it's right. very calming. And I think tons about light. Like to have corner, to have two walls of windows, is really powerful. I think about this all the time. And you think, so I think about the way you see space. I think about eyes and painting. Like if you walk into a room where there's just one window, you know, it's a great view, but the light's all coming from one direction, it, it'll look really dark in the rest of the apartment. And that is because it's only one window and it's making your eye um, 
dilate, right? It would contract. Contract. No, no, no. no. It'd have to open because it's not lit enough. Yeah, but you're squinting. You're looking at the light, and then that makes everything else dark. Okay, if you have two walls of windows, it's very evenly lit. You mean get a perpendicular or round or something? That's right. So I think about. Is that why I like this? Because there's windows here and windows there. Yeah, and this is the thing I love understanding why people like space. And so when I did this project at Lovett Library, we did, uh, it's for the Knight Foundation, and they tour all over the United States and give money for public space. So we created these social spaces outside this newly renovated building. And I gave a tour to all these people. And I said, I see this, I see that, I see this sense of entry, I see social space here. And they all went, wow. Like, where do you get that stuff? And this is what I think about. You know, it's just fun, because I know about people, and I know about distances. Like, I can just feel it. I can think about it. And I, and I think about play, and I think about, I just think about the way people relate to each other. And that's really what it starts with, is thinking about how people interact. And what are they, like, we're having this conversation, and there's a distance between us. We're on, we're on being filmed, so this distance is, is... I feel comfortable. Yeah. Is, Don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah. But this, and because it's on a couch, couches are set up for a certain social distance. And then when you're in a stadium with, uh, by yourself, say you walked out into a football stadium, and you had nobody with you, you'd feel so lonely. But when you had 10,000 people with you and you were bunched up next to each other, you'd feel really great, like this is designed for this sort of space. So I design spaces that are set up for the number of people and the kind of people. Well, that's and the, interesting. Yeah, it's really like I did a, a um, TEDx talk about uh, what we have in common with, with herd animals and with bugs, you know, the way we occupy space. And people don't like to think about themselves as animals, but I think it really helps me understand human behavior to think that we're not all intellect at all. Do they have, do people have the same visual acumen or this is really bodily acumen? Or there are differences. I, you know, if something's a quarter of an inch or an eighth of an inch off, Mm -hmm. I get uncomfortable, you know, like in a painting. Mm -hmm. This is, this is not... Other people walk in, they don't yeah. even see well, the people painting. People are really different. People yeah. are, and also. So, and does this apply? That's basically what I'm asking. Does it apply to this, or does it apply more widely? Well, I think the that herd part. the herd part is, is, is very widely applied. And my example um, is why do people all gather in a kitchen, right? They gather because it's small at a party. They gather at a party. Like your living room could be empty, your, your kitchen, why is everybody in here? There's food and it's intimate and it's noisy, right? And when you're at a party, you don't know that many people, maybe. So you wanna be where everybody's really comfortable, right? So you go in there and apes are famous for, uh, and they're our close, our close animal relatives. They're famous for taking, when, when, when the, the, uh, the herd of apes, I don't know what the group is called, right. a pride of apes or whatever yeah. they're called, gets um, f- uh, meat, when they, they have sort of have a party. And when they have that party, the, the senior leader apes and the most junior apes become equals. And that's the same thing as the way when we have a dinner party. If you break bread with someone, you're, you're able equal. to, you're an Are equal. You? Yes. So we've learned a lot and I've got to talk really fast here. First of all, it helps to have a sensitive eye. Secondly, it helps to be a seeker and a risk taker and finally a discoverer, the discoverer of play, the discoverer of quality, the discover that human sense and wish connection 
and the, the desire to provide that uh, to a world that likes, uh, what do I want to say, rigidity somewhat. Uh, there's a lot to say about his building experience. Quality isn't popular these days, but we need to go back to that because, it's, as he said, it's restful, it's um, integrating, and even if you don't know why, you will feel it. So anyway, I want to thank him for being here and uplifting all of us. Remember, uplift your life, go out and do someone, something kind for someone you know and someone you don't know, and tune in next time. I want to see you there. Thank you for tuning in. Thank, thank you, you Alan. To contact Junia, send her an email at juniadonesthespark at gmail.com. For more information, program schedules, and news about future guests, go to www.juniadonethespark.com. Thank you for joining us. See you next time on Junia Dones the Spark. Local productions on QTV are made possible with support from viewers like you. Thank you. This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov MCTV. We hope you enjoy the following presentation.